Hello, my name is Mark Reed, Editor-in-Chief of Canada's History. Welcome to the Canada's History Feature Spotlight. A River Divided A dying New Brunswick River is about to get a new lease on life, but at what cost? By Mark Reed. There was a town with a short-term plan. They couldn't wait to cut the ribbon. They had their eyes on the money in the land, so they choked the mighty river. From Causeway No Way by Le Payen. Call them snapshots of a dying river. Sepia-colored scenes from a historic archive fill a computer screen, depicting moments that have almost faded from living memory. In one, tall ships lay listlessly on a muddy riverbed, awaiting the tide. Another shows an angler proudly grinning as he holds an Atlantic salmon snatched from a tributary of the Patagodiac River. The fish is almost as long as his arm. The salmon are all but gone now, as are the fishermen. The river is almost gone as well. Just over 40 years ago, the New Brunswick government dammed the Petticodiac with a causeway in order to link the town of Riverview with the much larger city of Moncton. But what was intended to strengthen the bonds between the two communities had ended up dividing them. This spring, after more than four decades of fighting over the fate of the river, local residents will stand by as the Department of Transportation sends workers down to the 500-meter-long causeway, where they'll open a small section of gates at its southern end. Water will explode through the opening, and the river will finally run free. The first stage of a longer-term plan to replace the causeway with a multi-million dollar bridge. On one side are local artists and activists who see the river as a living thing, injured by the excesses of mankind. They see this as a chance to rewrite history. When I look at the Petticodiac, I see a river that's been sick for a while, a river that has never been given a fighting chance from the get-go, says Mark Chops Arsenault, bassist with the Acadian band Les Payen. Arsenault has spent more than a decade pushing for the removal of the causeway. We have to take pride in this river. It needs all the help we can get. On the other side are the homeowners who live along the banks of the artificial lake that formed up river from the causeway once the river was dammed. For years, they've tried everything to protect their fake lake from being drained. They've lobbied politicians and held town hall meetings. They've touted the tourism and recreation benefits of the beautiful blue Lake Petticodiac. They've even threatened legal action. What they haven't been able to do is find an effective counter to the compelling portrait painted by artists like Arsenault of a resurrected river, finally freed of its man-made fetters. Now, on the eve of the gate's opening, they're frustrated. This touchy-feely foolishness, it doesn't have anything to do with reality, fumes Jim Sellers, president of the Petticodiac Citizens Coalition, a group that wants the causeway kept in place and its gates permanently closed. We have this beautiful lake that people have built their homes on, it's been there for 40 years. You just can't open the gates and say, let's see what happens. That's not the answer. It's filling in. It's rising up. Can you see the angry mud? It's filling in. It's rising up. Here comes the mighty flood. From Causeway No Way by Le Payen. Big Mac called it Pet Kayak, the river that bends. It's a muddy ribbon of sluggish water that snakes through southeastern New Brunswick before emptying into the Bay of Fundy. Some call it the Chocolate River because of its unique color, caused by millions of tons of suspended silt particles. Scientists say powerful tidal action sends the silt into suspension, 
but Micmac legend tells a different tale. According to one story, the Petakodiak's waters were originally crystal clear, but Eel grew selfish and drove all the river creatures into the bay and then claimed the Petakodiak for himself. When Glooskap, the mythological hero of the Micmac, learned of this, he was furious. He sent giant lobster to fight Eel, and a terrible battle ensued. Lobster emerged victorious, but at a cost. The water had churned up the muddy riverbanks, forever staining the water. A key hunting ground for First Nations, the Petakodiak region became a battleground for Acadians after the Acadians colonized the area in the 17th century. During the expulsions carried out by the British from 1755 to 1763, these French neutrals saw their farms, villages, and crops put to the torch. Livestock was stolen or slaughtered while the Acadian people were herded onto ships and banished to all parts of the globe. Some, like Joseph Broussard, fought back. Broussard fled from the Redcoats and then waged a campaign of guerrilla resistance both on land and at sea on the Bay of Fundy. They fought the English all along the river, even though they had no chance of winning because of the army the English had, says Samuel Arsenault, a retired Université de Moncton professor with a Ph.D. in historical geography. When they weren't fighting each other, the colonizers were battling the river itself in an effort to tame the highest tides in the world. The awesome power of the Petakodiak's tidal borer was described back in 1812 by Monsignor Plessis, a bishop from Quebec. At Petakodiak, it can be heard coming from very far away, making a loud noise. It is a furious torrent, rising six to ten feet above the level of the river, running up with a rolling motion and terrible sounds of smashing. Dikes and dams were built all along the watershed, holding back the tides and transforming marshes into rich farmland. Much agricultural land was still prone to flooding, however, and that's what prompted the provincial liberal government of Louis Robichaud to build the mother of all dikes in 1968. The half-kilometer-long causeway of rock and gravel effectively dammed the Petakodiak at Moncton. Politicians sold the project as a sign of progress. Not only would the causeway control flooding and provide a vital road link, it would also transform the muddy water above the dam into a sparkling blue lake, perfect for recreation. Greater Moncton suddenly had an attractive lakefront. People started settling along the lake and properties became valuable because of access along the water, says Samuel Arsenal. It seemed too good to be true. And of course, it was. The scientists and engineers who planned the causeway had made a profound miscalculation. They didn't figure on the amount of silt that would collect downstream from the causeway. Silt normally traveled far upstream and then back again, staying in suspension with the daily movement of the tide. Now the silt stopped at the causeway and collected on the riverbanks. To walk along Greater Moncton's riverfront today is to witness a landscape transformed. Strangled by mud, the river at low tide has been reduced to a strand of water surrounded by an expanse of mucky salt flats that are, in places, more than five meters deep. Another thing that went wrong was that the structure was built to ensure that fish could continue to migrate, but it didn't work. The vertical slot fishway, as it is known, was built to comply with Section 22 of the Federal Fisheries Act. It was supposed to allow fish such as salmon to go upstream to spawn. Alarms were sounded as early as 1969 that this just wasn't going to work. That year, federal biologist R.L. Butler warned that the causeway would likely hurt fish stocks. A series of reports in 1969, 1970, 1972 confirmed his fears. Within four years of the causeway's creation, salmon counts plummeted by 75%, while populations of shad, sea-run brook trout, and striped bass were effectively wiped out. Scott Gibson, a project manager with the New Brunswick Department of Supply and Services, who is overseeing the causeway removal project, 
admits that the province has been in violation of the Federal Fisheries Act since the causeway's construction. The fish passage never worked properly due to the combination of siltation from high sediment loads in the tidal water, low freshwater flow from the river, and the variety of fish sizes that use the river system, says Gibson. At the time the causeway was built, damming projects were not unusual. Of the 44 major rivers in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick that empty into the Bay of Fundy, 25 have had some sort of tidal barrier blocking them. Since 1969, at least 132 scientific reports have been filed about the Petticodiac River, detailing the environmental impacts of the causeway and offering options for resuscitating the river. The suggestions have ranged from seasonally open the causeway gates to allow migrating fish to pass, to completely removing the causeway and re replacing it with a bridge. Now, ripping out the causeway may seem like the easiest route to restoration, but it isn't that simple. Just downriver of the causeway sits the former Moncton landfill site, a dump operated from 1971 to 1992 that was foolishly situated along the riverbank just outside the downtown area. Covering about 35 hectares, the garbage is up to 12 meters thick. The city has capped the dump with dirt and turned it into a park space, but beneath the ground contaminants leach daily into the Petticodiac and out to the sea. If the causeway is removed, those contaminants will flow freely upstream. Meanwhile, on the Riverview side, thousands of liters of primary treated sewage spews daily into the Petticodiac from Outhouse Point, home of the Greater Moncton Waste Treatment Plant. Today, the sewage flows upriver on the tide, only to be halted at the causeway. Remove the causeway and the sewage will continue traveling upriver for kilometers. Over the years, governments both liberal and progressive conservative have commissioned studies on the causeway then shelved the reports, taking virtually no action. So people like Jim Sellers, whose property backs onto Lake Petticodiac, became confident over the years that no government would trade beautiful Lake Petticodiac for a muddy, polluted river. Thus, an announcement in 2008 by the Liberal government of Sean Graham left Sellers in shock. Graham declared that the causeway would be replaced by a 280-meter-long bridge. This was followed up the next summer with an initial $20 million pledge to begin the estimated $68 million causeway removal project. I'm very concerned about the good of my community, Sellers scowls, a, a, a frown creasing his face as he stands on a narrow wooden dock at the Lake Petticodiac Marina. Overhead, the summer sky is dark with thick gray storm clouds. Just because nobody's going to speak up and tell the truth, it's no grounds for rolling over and just letting it happen, he says. As the gate opening project looms, rhetoric has grown more heated. Last October, Wayne Steves, the provincial Tory critic for tourism and parks, slammed the causeway removal scheme in the New Brunswick Telegraph Journal as a potential threat to one of the region's top tourism draws, the Hopewell Rocks. Located about 50 kilometers downstream, the Hopewell Rocks are oddly formed stone towers that are visible only when the tides recede. Steve's fears that silt from a free-flowing river will settle on the riverbed at Hopewell, ruining the experience for tourists. We can't allow this project to destroy the icon of tourism in the province of New Brunswick, said Steve's. Meanwhile, downriver at the village of Alma, lobster fishermen warn that removing the causeway will push muck downstream, destroying their fishing grounds. Susan Linkletter speaks for the Petticodiac Watershed Alliance, a non-political group that monitors water quality in the river. She tries not to take sides, but her voice rises when she speaks about the colossal mistake made in 1968. What they did 40 years ago, they wouldn't get away with today, Linkletter says. You just have to wonder what they were thinking. Causeway, no way, not in my hometown. Causeway, no way, the blood on our hands is brown. 
from Causeway, No Way by Le Payen. Can history be rewritten on the Petakodiak? To activists like Mark Arsenault, it would be a sin not to try. Just over a decade ago, he helped recruit 20 local artists to record songs for a charity CD called Pet Kokiak, Songs for a River. When we put that first CD together in 1996, we thought it would change everything, Arsenault says wistfully. Lo and behold, 13 years later, and we're still fighting. Last fall, the oral activists released a sequel titled simply Petakodiak to mark the 10th anniversary of the formation of an eco-group called Petakodiak Riverkeeper. The Riverkeeper is part of an American environmental organization called the Waterkeepers Alliance, which is led by Robert Kennedy Jr. Both CDs feature a musical stew of pop, punk rock, and Acadian folk music, a mix not unlike the melange of environmentalists and artist activists who have led the push to restore the river. The natural course of an artist is like a river, Arsenal explains. It has to flow. It has twists and turns. It has rapids. As an artist, the Petakodiak is inspirational. It's beautiful the way it is, as long as it's natural. A decade ago, Robert Kennedy Jr. made a splash with the local media by flying to Moncton to help launch the local branch of the River Keepers. Floating on the Petakodiak aboard a lobster boat, the charismatic Kennedy preached the benefits of a causeway removal plan, a perfect photo op that injected celebrity cachet into the debate. Since then, Petakodiak Riverkeeper has tried to hold the feet of successive governments to the fire. For Tim Van Hinty, the group's spokesman, the crusade to restore the river is about far more than just fish passage regulations. There was a time period when a lot of cities turned their backs on their rivers, said Van Hinty, as he walked down a riverfront trail last summer near downtown Moncton. They blocked them, dumped things in them, and polluted them. I'm trying to contribute to the renaissance of rivers. It makes some people uncomfortable that we're trying to do that, but I feel we're doing the right thing. Open up the gates and you will see. Open up the gates and you will set the river free from Causeway No Way by Le Payen. In December 2009, Premier Graham reiterated his government's intention to open the gates and remove the causeway. Restoring the river will definitely take time, but the Petakodiak will be back to its former glory, Graham told the Moncton Times and Transcript. Yet some of the people who live along Lake Petakodiak still don't think it will happen. They believe the government will balk at the last minute, especially when faced with potential lawsuits over lost property values. The instant they open those gates, the damage will have been caused, says Sellers. They won't have taken out the causeway yet, but we will be able to file all claims for compensation in one fell swoop. 40 to 50 million bucks, write the check. That will cause them to close the gates just like it has happened in the past because they can't come up with the money and the feds aren't going to compensate them. The province appears determined to carry out its plans, however. Throughout last summer and fall, work teams traveled the length of the river to install erosion protection measures in preparation for the opening of the causeway gates. Gibson, who oversees the project, is acutely aware of the controversy surrounding it. The first thing you've got to understand is that it's a highly controversial and highly emotional subject for a lot of people, Gibson says. Gibson says the landowners have valid concerns, but provincial scientists believe the threats posed by the dump and the sewage can be mitigated. Landowners and boaters will lose a lake, but they'll benefit from a restored river. As for housing prices, the province will act responsibly if property values do tumble. However, Gibson says our feeling is there will be no negative impact on property values. The bottom line, he notes, is that the causeway affects many more people than just a few hundred homeowners around an artificial lake. 
The Petticodiac River watershed covers more than 3,000 square kilometers and is home to more than 120,000 people. Surveys have shown that the majority of them want the river restored. Is removing the causeway going to correct all the sins of the world? Of course not, he says. But the thought of doing nothing is not an option. This story was written by Mark Reed, editor-in-chief of Canada's History, who lived and worked in Moncton as a newspaper journalist from 1997 to 2000, where he covered the debate over the Lake Petticodiac Causeway. Thanks for listening. 